James chapter 3. I do have a few announcements that I want to share with you this Wednesday, or this, excuse me, this Tuesday, the ladies' Bible study will not be meeting. The, the Tuesday morning ladies' Bible study is uh, canceled for this Tuesday, so do not come out Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. This month, a lot is happening in the life of our church, so be sure to check out all that is happening. Next week, Kent Hickerson will be preaching. He's going to be preaching from Revelation chapter 1. I know you love Kent, and you love to hear him bring God's Word, so I hope you'll come out, show a lot of support to Kent. Easter week, we have three very special events I want you to know about. Monday, Thursday, on Thursday the 21st, Good Friday, on Friday the 22nd, and of course, Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday We'll have services at 8, 15, and 11. Those are great events to invite friends to, to join you. Um, Easter is probably the day each year that brings more people that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior to church. So keep that in mind as you invite your family and your friends. And then Ladies' Night Out takes place at the end of the month on April 28th. Two weeks from yesterday, we have the Ladies' Retreat taking place at First Christian Church. That's on Saturday morning, April the 16th, from 8.30 to 11. My wife, Tammy Rogers, uh, Merla Hickerson, many others are putting this together. You can register today. The cost is just $5. Uh, there's a table in the foyer. We'd love to see several ladies join. What's our numbers up to? Do we know? 25, 30, something like that. So we would love to see that number double or maybe even triple. So if you're a lady, what a great way to spend your Saturday morning. We do have several sessions. Dr. Stephanie Kluver is going to be doing an opening session on uh, healthy blooms. Then we have four workshops that you can pick from. Susan Bacon, Kim Hoyt. See, my other workshops are Joyce Trummel and Joanne Phillips. And then our own Becky Glenn will be doing a closing session, uh, Life with God, a blooming adventure. Becky is just such a blessing, and uh, you will not want to miss that. That's two weeks from yesterday, Saturday the 16th. And I do want to remind you that the blog is still up and running. I'm hoping that those of you who have joined me as we go through the Bible in 90 days, um, We'll, sh we'll fill out an evaluation form. We have those in the bulletins today. I believe it's a yellow evaluation form. I'd love to see what you were able to take away from this biblical adventure together. Well, today is week 13 of a 13-week sermon series. That means the end is here. And each week, as we have read through the Bible during the week, I've brought you a message uh, from within the text that we read. And today's message is from James chapter 3. And we're also going to look at various other passages. And the power of our words, the power of the spoken word, the power of speech. And to kind of get us in the mood, Jim found a, a wonderful video. I'm giving Jim all the credit for this video. So if you don't care for it, see Jim afterwards. But Dana, let's look at that video right now as we consider the words that we use. I'll get it, honey. It's probably Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, friend. Long time no see. Or here. That's funny, because I see you every day at work. Just a minute, I'll get your glasses. Okay. Nice place you got here. Hey, I've been trying to get you to be my friend on Facebook. Have you been getting my, my invites? Hey, uh... What's been going on? It's been so long since I saw you. You lost some more hair? 
Well, Kate and I are doing fine, and uh, you know what? We're on our way out, but I wanted to make sure you had your glasses. Thanks. You said you found them in your car? Yeah, and that's the oddest thing, because I don't ever recall giving you a ride anywhere. Yeah, so uh, where'd you say you guys are headed to? Well, we're pregnant. <laughs> so, whoa! I'll say you are! <laughs> Mama's got a bun in the oven for shizzle! Look at her! You are like a, a baby whale who's got a baby inside of her! But is she five or six months pregnant? I'm usually good at that. Jeff, I really need you to... Shh! Not now. It's bonding time. It's time to bond with the circle of life. Hello, little guy. Is it a boy or a girl? It's probably a boy as low as you're carrying him. Hey, buddy. How are you? Uncle Jeffrey's out here, and I'm gonna be here with a video camera the second you pop into this world. Definitely not. What's going on here? Shh, you guys, shh. I think I hear him. Whoa! He just kicked me! That little guy kicked me! He's gonna be a soccer player, this one is. Jeff, yeah, I want you to be the godfather? Yes! Oh, yes! I've always wanted to do that! Come here, you princess of birth. Sunrise, sunset. Sunrise, sunset. Jeff. Is this the little girl I care? Jeff, Jeff. We found out she was pregnant last week. Oh my goodness. The words that we speak can cause us so, so much damage and problems down the road if we are not careful. A man was uh, working in a grocery store in the produce department when a nice lady came up to him and asked him if she could buy a half a head of lettuce. And he replied, a half a head of lettuce? Are you serious? God grows these in whole heads, and that's how we sell them. You mean, she persisted, after all the years that I've shopped here, you won't sell me a half a head of lettuce. Look, he said, if you would like me to, I will go and talk to the manager. She indicated that that would be appreciated, so the young man marched to the front of the store. You won't believe this, he said to his manager, but there's some lame-brained idiot of a lady back there who wants to know if she can buy a half a head of lettuce. Well, he noticed the manager gesturing behind him, and he turned around to see the lady standing right behind him, obviously having followed him to the front of the store. And without missing a beat, he responded, and this nice lady was wondering if she could buy the other half. Well, later in the day, the manager cornered the young man and said, that was the finest example of thinking on your feet that I have ever seen. Where did you learn that? I grew up in Grand Rapids, he boasted. And if you know anything about Grand Rapids, you know that it's known for its great hockey teams and its ugly women. The manager's face turned red, and he interrupted and said, my wife is from Grand Rapids. The young man responded, and which hockey team did she play for? <laughs> Benjamin Franklin said, a slip of the foot, you may soon recover, but a slip of the tongue, you may never 
get over. And that video, those, that silly illustration that I shared, this quote by Dr. Benjamin Franklin, all drive home this same point. This is the big idea of the message today. God desires for you to control your tongue. God desires for me to control my tongue. That's really the point of this message. If you go home today and you don't take anything else with you, I want that to be kind of bubbling through your heart and through your mind. God wants you to control your tongue. But here's the catch. Here's the point. Many of us fall miserably short of that call. Many of us are flat out disastrous when it comes to our tongues to our speech. We have a very difficult time controlling our tongues. Now, I know we don't like to talk in church. Um, We like to come and sit and listen to me talk, but I'm going to ask you to participate with me this morning, and I want you to shout out, um, what are some ways that we misuse our tongues in 2011? Maybe you've learned from example, or you think of others. How do we misuse our tongues today? Gossip? Gossip. Now, I know that's not a problem for anybody here, but believe it or not, gossip is a a huge issue for even Christ followers in the world today. And that's misuse of our words, of our tongue. What else? What's that? Telling untruths. That's right. That's exactly right. What else? Back talk. Okay. What else? The language that we use. Um, Sometimes even those of us who are Christians, we fall into what I like to call Christian cussing. We don't use the really bad words, but we use words that sound very much like the really bad words and mean the same thing as the really bad words. That's Christian cursing in many ways, and many of us are guilty of that. Anything else? Lying. Just flat out lying. Well, I put a list together. Here's my list. It's not as extensive as maybe what you've shared, but We misuse the tongue when we communicate an untruth, whether that's slander or gossip or rumor or even false teaching, false communication. Uh, The first church that I served at way back in 1991, the year before I went there, they had actually practiced church discipline. One of their teachers was teaching a racist um, white supremacy theology in the Sunday school class. They brought in Dr. Lowry from Lincoln. They brought in Don Green, and they'd actually practiced church discipline. And that one individual caused so much trouble that, that there were families that actually left the church when he was no longer able to teach. And I, I would say that was communicating an untruth. Um, a lot of times, though, uh, just by tearing down others, we misuse our, our tongues. By bringing hurt and harm to others. Um, Maybe there are some of us that are here today, we enjoy doing that. But I think most of us, when we tear others down, we have a regret after we do that. But what's something about the words that we speak? We can't ever take them back. Once they fly, once we let them go, they're there for anyone and everyone to hear. And then inappropriate speech. Some of you talked about, whoa. I'm getting some feedback there. Uh, inappropriate speech, um, inappropriate humor. Sometimes the jokes that we tell, the things that we laugh at, the things that we allow to infiltrate our heart and our minds and, and our words can really go against this principle that we see in God's Word. Do you realize there are 800,000 words 
in the English language, 800,000 words in the English language. And the average person in America will spend 20% of their life, one-fifth of their life, talking. That's what the statistics tell us. If all of your words were put into print and you were an average person, a single day of your words would fill a 50-page book. And a year of your words, they would fill 132 books. 200 pages long each. And among all those words that we speak, if we're not careful, words spoken in anger and carelessness or haste can really come back to cause problems for us. So let's turn to James 3. James 3 really deals with this issue, and this is a pretty straightforward message. God wants you to use your tongue, your words, in a very honorable way. And let's look at how James supports that teaching. And number one is this misuse of the tongue. It's not a little deal. It's a huge deal. If you misuse your words, if you misuse your tongue, the Lord says, James says, in in his inspired word, that's a big deal. James 3, beginning with verse 1, says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. So understand this. Our words have an incredible impact on others. If your child comes home this week and they bring you a report card and you open up that report card, whatever you say, whatever you respond is going to have an impact. It may be a positive impact. It may be a negative impact. But you're going to make an impact with the words that we speak. And so just understand, whoever you are, even if you're someone that doesn't talk a lot, the words that you speak have an incredible impact on others. So know that going in. In in James 3, we see this illustration in verse 4. It says, James says, take ships as an example. Although they are so large... And are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. And just like that, our words may be very uh, simplistic. The, The duration of the speech may be very short, but it has an incredible impact on others. Secondly, our words are our responsibility. Repeat after me my words. No, I, I want you to do this. My words are my responsibility. My words are my responsibility. Too many of us try to put ourselves, let ourselves get off the hook, when in reality the words you speak are your responsibility. They're not my responsibility. They're not your spouse's responsibility. They're not your parents' responsibility. The words you speak belong to you. James uses the illustration in verse 5 of a fire. Verse 5 of James 3 says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And that's the danger that your words can have on the people that you encounter in your life. 
wherever you live, whatever you do, whatever your situation may be. Last week, I blew an illustration during our first service. I was just flat out wrong. I'd read an email the week before, and I mixed up some facts. And I have to just be honest with you, I worried about that all week long. I stewed about that. I wrote about that on my blog. Um, People said, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Guess what? It's a huge deal. It's an incredible deal. And we all need to have that ownership and that responsibility that the words that we speak are truth and that the words that we speak further God's kingdom. Second, I guess supporting truth in James 3 behind this idea that our words matter is that the power of the spoken word is mighty, so control your tongue. This week I was reading and I found this illustration. It's the story of a tombstone on a windswept hill in an English country churchyard. It says that this, uh, this tombstone is, is very basic, gray slate, very drab, but it has this inscription. It says, beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May finally began to hold her tongue. You can laugh. That's okay. We're a little slow today. That's all right. Do you know any Arabella Youngs in in your world? Do you know any Arabella Youngs in your life? Dare I say maybe we have an Arabella Young or two with us today? We have to be careful about the words that we communicate. They can really do unbelievable damage. James 3 verse 7 says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And I guess what I want to communicate with you today is that you can read through the Bible in 90 days. You can memorize the Roman road. You can get on your knees every single night and pray, Lord, help me win my spouse. Help me win my child. Help me win my neighbor. Help me win my coworker. You can show up at the church and volunteer hours upon hours upon hours every week in service to the Lord, and your tongue can undo all that positive in a minute's time if we're not careful. And I was thinking back in my life of all the words that I have uttered, all the things that that I regret that I have said in 41 years on this earth. Many of the times it was just flippancy that led me to say what I said. Not well thought out. Not under control. All throughout the New Testament, we were studying 1 Peter 1 in Sunday school today. All throughout the New Testament, we see this call to be self-controlled, to have control of the self. And in Greg Taylor's life, that needs to start with my tongue. That needs to start with the words that I speak. Well, this third supporting truth in James 3 might be the the most important at all that I want you to hear this morning. Here's what James says. The double-mindedness of our tongues is the greatest concern of all. What's the double-mindedness of our tongues? What's, What's that mean? What's James talking about? Well, he defines it for us. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, 
This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I think nothing is more hurtful in the mind of the Lord than when at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning you're singing praises to your God and Father and at 12.30 you're cursing your waitress or you're cursing your spouse or you're calling down uh, words of contempt to others. That's the point that James is trying to make here. How can the same mouth produce words of praise and words of condemnation? He calls it the double-mindedness of our tongues. And James says that's a huge, huge deal. Bottom line for this message this morning is this. Our words make a difference. Your words, my words make a difference one way or another. Your words will make a difference in terms of the people that encounter you in life one way or another. And this message has been largely negative up to this point, and I don't want to end that way. I want to, I want to make this a positive. So I have a challenge for you today, and I want to just maybe talk for another five minutes about putting this challenge into practice. But here's what it is. Consider the positive ways that your words, that your speech can help further the cause of Christ. I challenge first service today. I want to challenge you as well. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do anything that I ask you to do. But I would really challenge you this week to say that for the next seven days until I come back to church at 11 o'clock next week and hear Kent Hickerson preach, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that every word that comes out of my mouth is positive and uplifting and it's furthering of the cause of Christ. Now some people have said, what do you do if you have to speak a negative word? You're a parent and your child needs corrected. Your employer and an employee needs some correction. You know, there's probably 10 different ways to communicate the same truth. You can look at your child that's struggling in math class and say, boy, you really stink at math. Or you could look at your child that's struggling in math class and say, you seem to be having some trouble. How can I help you do better in math? Now, some of you parents are saying, whoa, hold on. I can't help them do better in math. The point is this. Consider the words before they fly. And so with this challenge before you today, I want to give you four pictures to kind of float in your mind, four scriptures that I think can help us, practical steps to controlling our tongue. And number one is this, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Think about James 1.19. And James 1.19 says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. James Russell Lowell once wrote, Blessed are they who have nothing to say and who cannot be persuaded to say it. What's he trying to say there? Sometimes we're better off just saying nothing. President Calvin Coolidge once said, if you don't say anything, you won't be called on to repeat it. And of all the times, you know, I talked about those, those th- times that I have said things from my mouth, and almost as soon as they got out, I regretted saying them. Almost every time that I did that, it's because I was angry and because I didn't follow this wisdom from James 1. I wasn't quick to listen and slow to speak. I was slow to listen 
and quick to speak. My anger got the best of me. And I think if we were being honest today, wouldn't we all say, hey, I've been there. I've done that. Think James 1.19. Number two, sanitize your words and your speech. Think Ephesians 4.29. What's Ephesians 4.29? Here it is. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Think of all the words that come out of your mouth and challenge yourself this morning to say only, un, only words that are wholesome, that are holy, that are kingdom furthering, that are positive, that are upbeat. I'll only go down that road. Number three, set an example in your speech. Think 1 Timothy 4.12. What's 1 Timothy 4.12? Well, it is Paul's passion for his young son in the faith, Timothy. He said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. Some people would say, if you're not young, this doesn't apply to you. I disagree. Paul is encouraging Timothy, who is a young son in the faith, to set this example. But friends, this is great advice for every single one of us, whether we're 7 or 17 or 77, to set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. So many people in our culture today are drawn to the negative. We're drawn to the gossip. We're drawn to the rumor. We're drawn to the slander. Wouldn't it be something if Christ followers in Clinton, Illinois said, we don't want any part of that. We're going to set an example in positive speech. We're going to set an example in kingdom speech. And then number four, finally, fill your conversations full of grace. Think Colossians 4.6. Colossians 4.6 says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. I love that phrase. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Always an encouraging word. Always something positive. Always kingdom building. I am blessed with some outstanding people in my life that encourage me, that lift me up. I know many of you are blessed as I am. But I am so thankful for the people in my life like a Norma Harold, like a Becky Glenn, like people that always have a word of encouragement. Even when I probably don't deserve a word of encouragement, they have a word of encouragement. Wouldn't it be awesome if, if that's who you were and who I was? How we live our lives, how we use our mouth, how we speak, it's always a word of encouragement. I want to conclude with this verse right here. James 1.26 says, If anyone considers himself religious and doesn't keep a tight rein on his tongue, look at this. Number one, he deceives himself. And then number two, their religion is worthless. And so let me just reiterate for you one more time. Your words make a difference. My words make a difference. Let's further the kingdom of Christ with the words that we speak. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for the chance to, uh, to study your word. And I, you know, I thank you for passages of scripture like James 3 that are encouraging, that are helpful, that, that honestly are very, very practical. And so as we move toward our invitation time right now, 
It's my hope that as we sing this song that Jim and the team leads us in, we'll consider our speech. We'll consider the patterns that we've fallen into. We'll consider the humor that we embrace. We'll consider every aspect of our life related to our tongues. And that we won't settle for second best. We won't settle for Christian cursing. We won't allow ourselves to fall into the trap of tearing others down. But that the words we speak, the meditations of our heart and the words of our mouth will be pleasing to you and will be kingdom building. Thank you for your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Again, our service is uh, structured a little.